0: This is Nicole Desain. Welcome to Talent Tales, the show where I interview leaders who have brought design thinking to their talent and HR practices. In today's episode, we have a special guest on the show. I am joined by Alice Goni, who is the VP of Talent Management at Centro. Welcome Alice.
1: Hi, thanks for having me. So Alice, who are you and what's your story? <laughs> um, yeah, so like Nicole said, I'm Ellis, um, you know, resume wise right now I work at Centro. I head up talent management, which means I oversee recruiting and business partners and really get to kind of own and drive the full talent management life cycle from, you know, the first time someone hears about the company until they, you know, never leave, but if they have to leave until they leave. Um, And, you know, the the question here that was prepped for was to say something that wasn't just about the resume. So I think for me, um, from an HR perspective, I am incredibly passionate about making sure that every HR professional is thinking about and getting better at improving the employee experience. So love just these types of things, networking with HR people, um, you know, especially in the startup mid-sized company world in Chicago, there's a tight group where, you know, we're taking each other's talent, but it's not competitive. And I love that because I think just improving how we do HR to make people's lives better. um, is just so important. So that's a a big passion point for mine and and why I love this career.
0: Love that. So tell me a little bit more about that, where you say, you know, we, we all are in for talent and the right talent. And, you know, there's talent shortages, but we're not competitive about Mm -hmm. it. Tell me a little bit yeah. more about how you do that, because I'm sure a lot of people even in other cities or across sectors or across workforces might be interested in learning a little bit more about how how to collaborate that way.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think honestly, everyone that I've reached out to um, in the HR space is normally very open to it. I haven't really come across someone who said, like, I won't share my best practices with you, you know, usually everyone, um, what I found surprising, you know, when I started in this um, industry is open to it. So what we what I actually do with a few other companies, um, again, in the in the mid-sized startup space, um, in Chicago, is we quarterly get together, and our HR teams just talk about best practices and what we're doing. So uh, we, you know, we pick a topic, like last quarter, it was analytics, and we get all of our teams together and we just talk about how our companies do it and what we like about it and the employee experience. And, you know, then at the same time, we laugh about how, you know, someone took one of our engineers the other day, but you can't, you can't help the, the talent war for what it is. So it's really just a place to say, like, how do we make people's lives better when they spend so much time at work? And, and HR is such a big part of that. So I've, I've found a lot of, um, a lot of people are open to it, which is wonderful.
0: Love it. So, Alice, what's your yeah. creative superpower? People usually like this question.
1: Yeah. Okay. This is a hard one. But I chose um, I chose communication. I did, I did a little post-it. This is my homework. It's an awful drawing. Mm-hmm. My daughter is better at drawing right now than I am. Mm-hmm. Um, it has, like, little bubbles. And then the bubbles are, like, connected. Ah. So... Let's go ahead. Um, I, have, I have realized how important communication is, specifically to employees, um, if you're in the HR uh, mind, mind space. So um, I talked, I, I chose that as my creative superpower because I find that I am always thinking about it. Like, you can come up with the best programs and the best initiatives, but if you can't articulate it well to employees or in an engaging way, it's really not going to be utilized. And so usually what I contribute to most of our communication when it comes to employee programs or just things HR wants to talk about is a good infusion of like humor. And my team knows I'm really big on, on memes. So um, just really making sure to like sit across the table from myself and say, you know, I'm, a, I'm an email skimmer and I know that about myself. And I assume, you know, most managers are. Right. So Mm. I I like to um, I usually am found to be helpful for my team and just saying, like, let's just tweak that email and like put a smiley face or a meme or like make it shorter. Um, And so that's why I I put that as my as my (laughs) superpower.
0: That's very cool. That's very cool. So the meme wizard. I love that. Yeah,
1: love some, <laughs> love me some memes. <laughs> Tons, I need to I need to, come to you for that. Everything. I'm not that good
0: at that, so I'll come to you next time when I need a good good meme. I, I think Yeah, I like, I like
1: to make fun of yeah. HR in my emails. Yeah. and then people, you know, try to be the cool cool HR, yeah. I love
0: that. <laughs> and that sort of goes along the lines with the um, the skill really of storytelling which we use
1: mm-hmm.
0: in design thinking as a method to convey you know, key insights and to, you know, get people involved and engaged in what we want to do. Yeah. Um, absolutely. That's actually a good segue to um, design thinking. So tell me a little bit more about how you discovered design
1: thinking and how you've applied it at Centro. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I I don't think there was a moment where I like read about design thinking and then, you know, it happened. Um, mm-hmm. I think the way that design thinking showed up the most overtly for me and for Centro is, you know, we, we always have collected feedback from employees um, and changed programs or added or subtracted or whatever it was. But what we were finding is at the beginning of the year or whenever we look, sat down and looked at our HR programs, there wasn't like a very clear framework for us of when to say yes or no to things, when to know like, yes, it, that is what the employees need or, or no, it's not a priority. And so design thinking was helpful in actually creating like a framework for the employee experience. That's how I use it the most. Mm-hmm. Um, so really sat down and said, okay, at each stage of my employee's experience, what is the feeling that I want to invoke, what's the narrative I want to happen in that stage, and then what's some hard, you know, uh, data or, you know, emotions from employees of how we're doing against that, Mm -hmm. and then how can we improve it, so we kind of made it into, like, an employee experience with a SWOT analysis that we do constantly, Um, and that's where it showed up, again, just the most overtly in, like, pen to paper, um, of how we can use the employee experience for that framework.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Super interesting. So, that SWOT analysis, tell us a little bit more about mm-hmm. that. Yeah, so the, the first iteration of it was was honestly like I had a big spreadsheet. It had every stage from hire, uh, you know, attract, hire, onboard through to transition or offboard. Um, and it's that, that full employee life cycle. And then what I did was, I got best practices, you know, from an external industry perspective, like what do employees want to feel at that stage? So in the, you know, in the onboarding stage, this is a critical point for employees to understand cultural norms. You want it to be a very positive experience. Um, And then for Centro, I went just a level deeper of like, how do I want Centrons to feel, you know, a little more specifically. Mm -hmm. And then we went out or I went out, I did interviews with stakeholders across the company and I got... Feedback And then I kind of evaluated and said, how are we doing against, you know, the ideal state? Um, And from there, it really told us, you know, externally, we're missing a lot of what the best practices look like internally for how we want Centro to look and feel, you know, where are we on that? And then it helped to better articulate for me exactly which programs were leading to either the areas of opportunity or things we needed to change or which programs we needed to kind of double down on because that experience was, or that the feelings were coming, you know, from those experiences. So I did a full, full map out with, you know, strengths, weakness of each stage of the employee life cycle, and then um, a map out of which programs and initiatives need to be um, aligned to make sure that experience is what it needs to feel like. Mm
0: -hmm. And then if I remember correctly from our pre-conversation, and this is kind of timely Mm -hmm. because it's, strategy planning season. I mm-hmm. believe you said then you take that and you incorporate that or uh, use that as an input into your annual HR strategy planning? Or can you maybe tell me yeah. a little bit, tell us a little bit more about how you then it kind of tie the SWOT analysis to strategy planning?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So it is, it is our annual planning now. So mm-hmm. um, once we have, um, once we have identified you know, where we're or where we're, where we are weak in certain areas of the life cycle, we are able to, um, you know, I'll give an example, like, um, attract. Okay. So when, when you're in the attract phase, you want people to, again, have a positive experience of Centro, but you don't have much control over this. You're not, there's not like touch points. It's more just what does your website look and feel like what's out there in the media? What does your glass door look like? And a couple of years ago, you know, at the attract stage, there our messaging wasn't necessarily consistent with what was happening inside of central. You know, like our 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 employee messaging, our cultural messaging. It was much more about our business in the attract phase, and so that gave us the insight to say, okay, this year we're going to focus on redoing the website for the cultural section, redoing our careers page, and doing videos of employees and getting that out into social media. And so each of those stages has executional items associated with it. And that drives our budgeting, that drives our our program. It really lays the foundation to say, here are our goals for the year and the things that we wanna make sure happen. Um, And and that's the strategy that we come back to consistently throughout the year.
0: Mm -hmm. Very cool. Just to remind everybody, put your questions in the chat and we'll get to them um, at the end. so this is really, really cool because I think to, you know, it's one thing to to do design thinking or experiment with it and employee mm-hmm. experience maybe, but it's another than to really methodically tie it to your annual mm-hmm. strategy planning. And I think that's mm-hmm. where some companies still are struggling with to how to tie these two things together. So I think this is kind mm-hmm. of an interesting model um of you know how you've done this successfully and how you tied all these pieces together into and made it part of how HR operates almost, it sounds like.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. for
0: sure. Um, but but then, of course, I'm sure there have been barriers or lessons learned, you know, uh, that yeah. you encountered along the way when you started mm-hmm. doing this. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yeah. Um, I think, like, the, the biggest barriers are – all of that sounds great and you know exactly how you want your employees to feel and you know what your priorities need to be. And then, um, you know, you're hit with the day to day. So I think, um, what I, what I've found is we've done a pretty good job of tracking against the employee experience and what we want to do. But when you get to the end of the year, there's things that just didn't, didn't happen. And, um, So introducing this in the beginning, let me back up a little. Introducing this in the beginning, it was definitely an education period for the rest of the HR team and also for, um, you know, the people, the stakeholders that I had the interviews with. That was actually a really helpful way to introduce it because it was organic in nature where I was just saying like, hey, I just want to get some feedback on the employee experience. And then like, here's what I'm doing with it. So that's how I socialized it then it moved into, right, um, creating strategies around it. And then the, the, the biggest barrier to just continuing to do it is, you know, you have this, you have this great plan, and then, um, you know, the sales team decides to reorg, or whatever it is, and you deprioritize other things. So the ideal ex- employee experience that we all strive for, um, you know, things just get in the way, and then you iterate, which is the beauty of you know, design thinking is you should fail and iterate, but um, just a prioritization and keeping it really top of mind. As all HR people know, um, business gets in the way. So continuing to talk about it and bring it back up, I found is really the most important thing for my team. Like, I'll bring it up, you know, um, every quarter with the talent development leadership team, and we'll say, like, how are we doing? Like, oh, we totally forgot to do that program or that initiative because X, Y, or Z happened. So um, keeping it as, like, a frequent thing to come back to, I've found, has actually helped with that barrier of, um, you know, just the day-to-day getting in the way.
0: Mm-hmm. So keeping it top of mind with the HR team yeah. and then also with the leadership or with the manner the business, it sounds like.
1: Yeah, so the way we approach it with the business is not necessarily as um, – over as like, here's what we're doing in the HR team in terms of strategy. It's more like we check in twice a year with their talent data. Mm -hmm. um, And that talent data includes action plans and the action plans are things that have come off of our strategy. um, But we don't say like we're doing design thinking with the employee experience and here's what it is. But um, all of the things that come from that initial strategy and the way we do um, employee experience iterations that all is presented to them in, in, in a in the way of here's all the programs we're doing for your team here's how proactive we're being about your talent um, and then here's your talent data that we now have to kind of do like another employee experience swot analysis on mm-hmm. to see how we can improve it for you know the people who are leaving in your turnover or whatever it is so
0: i find this interesting that the um the tactic you take to bringing this to the business because i know some organizations choose to talk about it uh with mm-hmm. the business and tying it to customer experience so it resonates with the business and mm-hmm. it sounds like the strategy you use and maybe some others as well is you know we don't want to over buzzword the business with you know another hr term or something like that so we'll just do yeah. it respond to their needs you know we're aligned and we know what it's called but we yeah. don't need to you know we package it differently so i find that interesting yeah why have you taken that tact
1: um yeah i mean the business is our is our customer right Mm -hmm. and um i think um we we talk about the importance of the employee experience and how that is the priority and so as Mm -hmm. we coach the business we'll say you know, I'd prefer we not do this because the experience of the employee is X, Y, or Z, right? Mm -hmm. So we talk about employee Mm -hmm. experience very organically. Mm -hmm. It's just a matter of like, they don't necessarily um, care (laughs) (laughs) Um, how how we're creating the strategies on the back end. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They they do care about their people. They care about their talents. And so we speak to them in a way that is applicable for them, but also shows that we are strategically thinking about their talent. Mm Yeah. But the whole the whole lead up for them um, of here's how I got to these ideas is just not necessarily. um, We haven't found it to be a good use of our time with the business because they kind of they disengage more. So really, it's just like, hey, trust us. You know, we've built credibility with you. Here's the strategies that that we want to walk through. And here's why. Um, But not so much of like, here's how we got to, to this place. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, what's the impact you've noticed after having introduced human-centered design employee experience to your organization?
1: Yeah, um, so on, on the business side, even though, again, they're not like in the nitty gritty, um, our talent data has, has become better. And, and that, that talent data is kicked out with insights on certain ex, um, pieces of the employee experience. So I'll say like, you know, for people who are in, you know, two to five years at Centro or, or 12 months in their role, here's where we're doing well, here's where we're not doing well. So we do talk about it like that. So that's gotten better where the businesses have more insight into specifically how to dig into different audiences of their talent. Um, for, the, for the HR team, the, the biggest impact, which was a lot of the purpose, is, you know, as I'm sure a lot of you know, on the phone or on the call, um, when you grow an HR team, there is, (coughs) excuse me, Um, there is a natural, there is a natural um, inclination that happens when you grow, especially quickly an HR team, where you start to become subsets, you know, you have your benefits team your recruiting team, your education team, and they don't talk to each other as much as they need to, you know, the silos start to happen. Uh And we found that, um, we found that with, uh, with fast growth, you bring new people in, they're in their subject matter expertise. But what happens again, is if you focus on the business as your customer, they're not hearing the same thing. You know, they're, they're not um, seeing the same strategies across the teams. They're having one conversation with you know, um, a recruiter, and then a different conversation with a business partner. So a lot of where this stemmed from was actually needing a strategy across every single function of HR Mm -hmm. to say our goal as an HR team is that the employees experience this. And it doesn't matter which team you're on, it doesn't matter which role you have. But like, if, if it's onboarding, all four of our teams are going to touch the onboarding experience. And so it was a way to get us to break down those silos mm-hmm. and to have kind of like the common goals to go after. And, and that's been incredibly impactful. And we've done some other things, um, obviously very consciously to break down the silos um, with structure and, and things like that. But I think just the, the, the talent management life cycle, the employee experience thing, we're all responsible and accountable to this experience, no matter what team you sit on um, has been a big impact of it.
0: Mm -hmm. That's really cool. just want to follow up Mm -hmm. on the operationalizing of this um, employee experience. And you mentioned onboarding. Let's pick that as an example, right? So you look at the onboarding experience and you say, you know, talent acquisition is a part of it. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, the hiring manager is a part of it. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. learning and development depending how you're structured maybe the HR business partner or whatever right so it's usually mm-hmm. I, I always call onboarding the ugly stepchild in HR mm-hmm. because usually there's so many people who have a part no in it people. but nobody yeah. owns it and so yeah. the new hire falls through you yeah, know it's very common so I'm just curious yeah. to to if you can explain how you operationalize
1: the experience across all these silos if you will yeah absolutely so um we have gotten there to a certain extent, but we actually just started something new this year because of just that. So um, so if you take onboarding as an example, you know, when we do our SWAT, when we do the SWOT each year and we assess how we're doing, we did find that there were way too many touch points with the new hire from different teams. So you had, you know, recruiting reaching out, then you had the education person reaching out, and then you had the business partner team reaching out once they were employees. Um, And you have the benefits team reaching out. So to, you know, to a new hire, I'm like, I don't know who my HR person is. You know, I don't know um, who I'm supposed to ask questions to for what. And so we, from a very tactical, like operational um, perspective, I actually reorganized um, our HR team to just have talent coordinators who work across all of our teams. They are working on, they're doing recruitment scheduling. They're doing onboarding um with education they're supporting the business partners with employee relations and so they work across cross function cross functionally and that was a very specific output of this exercise of the experience to say you know our hr team can't have four people reaching out to new hires and then it actually led us to change how we're structured which was a cool a cool exercise and and for the ownership piece that's still there <laughs> and so what we started this year which we haven't started, but we, you know, have them ready to go is we're actually starting HR task forces, which is a cross-functional team focused on very specific pieces of the employee experience that are critical. So onboarding, you know, rewards and recognition, um, intern strategy and programming, all these things where like each of our teams have to be involved and there's no leader. And so we're, we're trying that out this year, which I'm excited for. Very cool.
0: Um, what's your favorite design thinking resource or hack?
1: Yeah, so this was a hard one because I don't have like a very obvious place I go for design thinking in particular, but I was thinking about from a hack perspective, like I'm a big post-it person, um, in meetings, like pretty much in any meeting where I'm trying to get ideas on the table. Um, I throw post-its into the middle of the table and then I specifically, um, ask people to, like, write ideas to a certain question, and then I collect all the post-its, put them up on the board, and um, theme them out, and so people feel more comfortable sharing ideas, because it's it's an anonymous to a certain extent, and then I get to kind of cut down in efficiency, because I see that, the, you know, five ideas just came out of this, and so now we have our answer. So post-its are a big thing for me when it comes to, like, How do we think of new things? What feedback do we have for our programs? And I just say like, hey, you know, strengths, weakness, write two post-its for me about the program that we're doing. And then I put them all up on the board and we kind of just talk about it as a group.
0: Love it. Love it. Before we jump into audience questions, and we've got quite a few for you. um, Mm -hmm. My last question is usually I provide you with a quote and let you react to it. Are you ready? Oh, great. (laughs) Sure. Okay. Quote. There is no shortage of remarkable ideas. What's missing is the will to execute them, unquote. Seth Godin.
1: Yeah, so good. Uh, So good. So I think that's where, you know, there is ideal state and there is real state. And like marrying those and figuring out like, okay, this all would be amazing for our employees. But like, what can we actually do and what's most important? And then holding each other accountable to executing on that. So important. I love that one. Cool. So let's hit some of the questions. So-
0: um, Great. Ronaldo is asking, uh, and I know you talked about a little bit how you communicate to leadership about it, but he was wondering, what was the involvement, if any, of line management leadership in the design process? Did you include yeah. them? I assume in the SWOT analysis is what he means or you know that whole upfront yeah. part.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're totally critical for the feedback portion. So, um, you know, I definitely um, prefer to get feedback from employees than HR sitting in a room saying how we're doing. Um, so line managers and stakeholders in leadership, it's, it's specifically people that I knew were influential to our culture, um, who were influential leaders, doesn't have to do with title, but like those people where, you know, if you look at a network map, they have like a thousand dots around them. Um, I met with those, I try to get those people's perspectives, um, because usually they are, they are very in tune with um, how employees are feeling. Mm
0: -hmm. Cool. Uh, Erin is asking for some tips around. So she says uh, she struggles a bit with the education piece, mostly about getting Mm -hmm. her point across in groups um, in a really effective way uh, to get their buy-in. She's really good at getting input one-on-one, and they get it, but any tips for sort of Getting points across in a group setting.
1: Yeah, is that um, yes? Any any group with the education piece. So, um, I, I think, assume employees. Um,
0: I assume employees and maybe leader
1: groups. Oh, okay. Internally, specifically, got it. Employees, yeah. got it. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Erin. Um, yeah. So again, I think. Um, a lot of it is around communication Um, and a lot of my energy with my team is giving feedback on their communication Um, and like when they're leading specifically groups of when they're having discussions with groups of leaders about their talent. I'll go with that example. Um, I I do a lot of like we sit down and, and talk about how to approach it first and I do a lot of like make it simpler. Stop talking. (laughs) Um, You know, like, make it really um, specific. Like, don't leave it open for like, okay, well, where did that data come from? Okay, well, like, what do you mean by that? Like, really try to hone in on like, this, these leaders are thinking about this right now, they're busy with their day to day, right? They love their talent, they want to care for their talent. But they also want to do it quickly. And so a lot of my coaching and feedback and how I personally like, tweak myself is how can I say this in, um, in a simpler way where um, you can get really try to get your point across um, and the business doesn't and the business leaves knowing exactly what the point of that meeting was. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I found that really important.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, we should all go to
0: Ellis for communication advice. Note <laughs> to self. Um, the a- AMA HR team has a question around. Uh, negative experiences that are shared on Glassdoor. So they're saying, you know, Ooh, yeah. um, an employee with a negative experience is something like 50% more likely to post about their experience on Glassdoor or other outlets than those yeah. with a positive experience. Do you actively encourage employees to speak up about their positive experiences? If so, what strategies are you using to encourage them? Yeah. And it's, and it's um, still in an authentic way, you know? In a, of course has to be authentic
1: yeah yeah <laughs> um yes yeah. so we uh, we went through a uh, glass door strategy like revamp if you want to call it that um about two years ago we um our rating was going down you know we had some some really negative things that kind of shook shook us um and uh and so the the biggest strategy that we went with we we actually do not solicit for uh reviews internally, um, we, we tried it like really casually and then it just went badly. So um, we don't solicit for internal. There are definitely specific strategies like when new hires come on board, you know, say, did you like your new hire orientation? Please post on Glassdoor. That didn't feel right to us. Um, but we, we did start responding to reviews. I, I don't know if, um, if you do that. And that has actually really helped um, not just with the reviews on Glassdoor did it help, but with our employees, because they're very in tune with our brand. Centrons are very passionate about, about Centro. And so they would see the Glassdoor reviews and then chatter would happen inside of the company. And so what we decided to do was um, start responding. And we think about it from both responding to the people who wrote the reviews, who we you know, of course care about, but also making sure to fit things in there that our internal employees need to know so that we're speaking to them at the same time and that's helped us tremendously the past year and a half mm-hmm. one minute one last question from heather how have
0: you dealt with reactive approaches to industry trends by management for example for example i've heard about this is a great tool we should pilot it when it is not mm-hmm. aligned to the design
1: plan mm-hmm. yeah i love that when they're like this is my friend and they have this system and It's the best. Um, Yes, so we, um, again, that is where, like, it's been very helpful to anchor ourselves on the strategy that we put in in the beginning of the year. Um, Not only does it tie to budget, so we have that excuse, if you will, of like, sorry, we don't have budget, but one of our strategies was employee-facing tools are going to be limited, right? So we are not going to introduce new tools to employees because we're finding through the experience that they don't even know what our HRS is right now. And that's the focus. So that's an easier response to the business to say, hey, love the the tool. Like that's awesome and super helpful, but we're actually not in a place where we're going to introduce any more um, logins to employees or any more softwares to employees because our focus this year is getting them acquainted with our HRAS, LMS, and ATS, right? Um, And and they respond really well to that because there's thought behind it. Um, So that's been helpful. Mm -hmm.
0: Cool. Well, thank you so much, Alice, for joining us and everybody else as well. It was uh, really super interesting to me. Uh, Keep an eye out for the recording, and I hope I see you all at a future Talent
1: webinar. Yeah, thank you so much, everyone. Have a good day.